0: Bible. Mark 14. Each one of us is responsible for searching our own hearts. And the Spirit of God is constantly searching the hearts of men. And as Christians, God searches our hearts and seeks to make them known to us. That's a real key factor. In Proverbs 21, verse 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And so God is constantly digging deeper in our lives. On the surface, we can feel okay, but God is digging in there and messing around in our lives to show us the content of our hearts. Now, it's through preaching that God does some of his greatest work in our lives. God speaks through the preaching of his word. He reveals our hearts through the preaching of his word. When the disciples followed Jesus, he was constantly speaking to them. They had to assess his words, his teaching, and his challenges personally. Every one of us has a personal responsibility before God. I say all that to bring us to the text that I'm going to read so Jesus is with his disciples. It has been three years they've been following him. And three years is plenty enough time to make quite a few assessments in our lives, to hear a lot of preaching and to be dealt with by God and either be responding or not responding. Now, in the text, Jesus goes beyond simply generalizing his statement. A lot of times preaching is a general Overall, and you take it by the spirit of God. But in this text, he makes a specific statement directed at a specific person. But the disciples are not sure who he's talking about. and This leaves us with a personal challenge tonight. I want to preach out of Mark 14. A sermon I've entitled, Is It I? Mark 14, beginning in verse 17. In the evening, he came with the twelve. As they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say, one of you who eats with me will betray me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him, One by one, is it I? The other said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, It is the one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been good that that man had never been born. Is it I? I want to first look at the intimate setting in our text. So here's Jesus. He's with his twelve disciples. They're breaking bread, which fellowship is always an intimate setting. But on top of that, they're conducting the Passover. Passover. Now, this Passover would be far greater in significance than the previous because this Passover would signify the death and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And although the disciples did not have a full understanding of all that this was about and all that was about to take place, they had been prepared for three years for this time. Now, the twelve are alone with Jesus in his last days before his crucifixion. Now to this point, there's been much that has been deposited in their lives from Jesus. He has spoken on a consistent flow of the word of God into their lives. He has dealt with them as a group. He has dealt with them as individuals. This was a constant throughout their time following Jesus. Now we know that Judas would be the one that would betray jesus and turn him over to be crucified although judas himself did not know that his actions would actually lead that far so you never know how far that your indifference or sin will take you judas had no idea how far he simply is impulsive he's a carnal man and and so here we have the setting See, Judas was just looking for a way to make some money because the Bible says that greed was his problem. And so there was this issue in Judas' life all along that was never resolved. And now it would be the very thing that would cause him to sell out Jesus. See, the things that you leave unresolved uh, foment and attract demonic attention, which we're going to get to in a moment. So in John chapter 12, verses four through six, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragment not so, or fragrant not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So Judas had an issue. But the problem with Judas issues, he never resolved it. It maintained itself throughout the entire time he was with Jesus. And here's the reality that we all face tonight. Number one, God knows our hearts. He knows where we are failing. And he knows what we're struggling with. So here's Jesus, the 12 are with him. They're in a very close place with him. There's an intimate setting at hand. Even Judas, who will shortly betray him, he's in on this. Because God will not quickly cast us away or judge us. But he will allow the content of our lives to play out. And if we don't allow his dealings and his long suffering to cause us to change, we will eventually act out what is in our hearts. Okay? If you didn't get that, I'm going to say it again. Because he doesn't quickly cast us off or judge us. He gives us time. It's called the long suffering of God that he endures our issues. But all along, he will allow the content of our lives to play out. And if we don't allow his dealings, which are many, and his long suffering, that means the time he's giving us. To cause us to change, we will eventually act out what is in our hearts. So don't take God's intimacy as a green light to continue on the wrong path because it's deceptive. This event with Judas was not just a prophetic fulfillment, but it's something that can happen to anyone. God makes a statement when the sins of men became to a peak in the book of Genesis. And he says in Genesis 6-3, My spirit will not strive with man forever. And upon that he pronounced uh, that men would not endure more than 120 years. And the reason being is because the more he gave them, the more wicked they'd become. So God says at some point, I'm going to cut it short. Adam Clark says it's only by the influence Of the spirit of God that the carnal mind can be subdued and destroyed. But those who willfully resist and grieve that spirit must be ultimately left to the hardness and blindness of their own hearts. If they do not repent and turn to God, God delights in mercy and therefore a gracious warning is given. Just like with Peter, Jesus would deal with him on the point of his failure. He would deal with him about his pride. But as I preached on Wednesday, pride has blinders. And so we don't always see it. Peter still denied Christ. In spite of the warnings. Now he may have recovered and certainly this is the hope. That when people fail, they'll finally see it and really repent. But the thing is, we are not privy to the outcome of things. We don't know the full extent of of what we're harboring. And when it finally plays out, if it does, uh, where it's going to take us. The harvest that's going to be produced. Judas had no idea it would produce the crucifixion of Christ. I don't know exactly what he was thinking. He was just looking to make a buck. 30 pieces of silver. Figured Jesus would work his way out of it. But it didn't. And so the days to follow when Jesus was being arrested and eventually crucified would be a very very revealing time for the disciples. Because Jesus had already dealt with Peter and told him, you're going to deny me. But listen to what Peter said in Matthew 26, 35. Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And said all the disciples so they were blinders to the true ability of what their hearts could produce. This is Jesus telling them this and yet they still No, no, no. That that would never happen. Not, not to me. Because so often we overestimate our lives and the condition of our hearts and what we're really capable of. It's easy to take for granted the grace and long suffering of God. And in our text, Jesus draws these 12 men to himself. He's in fellowship with them. They can feel very confident where they stand with God and actually end up missing some of the issues of their hearts and lives. I thank God for that long suffering. And I thank God for that abundant grace. But don't take it for granted. Somehow, because there's still intimacy and somehow because you can still feel the presence of God, that he's okay with some of your shenanigans, because he's not. He's just giving time. In hopes that we'll repent. And then he lays it on them in verse 18. Surely I say one of you that each of me will betray me. Whoa. Can you imagine just just how it felt in that room? One of you guys is going to betray me. And this sets something in motion. Both good and bad. So let me look secondly at the specific word from God. So in our text, Jesus specifies that one of them. Will betray him. Judas already knew it was him. Again, he, he didn't know the depth he was really in here. But Judas knew it was him. Because he had already gone and made the deal. So think about this. Jesus brings a specific word from God. Specific word. One of you will betray me. Judas is sitting there knowing it's him. And doesn't respond. That's a scary prospect. You know where you stand. You know what's in you. God specifies something just for you and it can't move you. That's a scary prospect that we all have to face about ourselves. What do you do when a specific sermon or word from God reveals exactly what you're up to? Exactly what you're conceiving in your mind and heart. Exactly how you've been acting. What do you do? Ah, they're always preaching at me. Somebody told them something. Or, oh, God, forgive me. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Think about that. So the word of God is preached and, and we just take it for granted. Uh, another sermon we've heard so many over the years. Uh, and some of us, some don't know. It's a living word that now is active. It's searching hearts. It's getting into the crevices and the deep parts uh, and the places of our hearts. Knowing that the day is going to come, we're going to give an account. So the word of God is designed to get down inside of us and deal with the very deep internal things in our lives. That's the design of the word of God. Now, Jesus knew that Judas had issues. He knew this. He knew that Judas would betray him. And he set it straight without reservation with Judas sitting right there in front of you. Of him, one of you is going to betray me. Couldn't move him. Couldn't move him. How do you respond when your issue is mentioned point blank with you right there? Go into a tirade, get angry, start projecting fault on somebody else to cover up your own. What do you do? When your issue is mentioned point blank, you're right there. When preaching reveals the intent and content of your heart. Because here's the scary part. The other disciples immediately began to search themselves. Is it I? Is it I? Judas, the one that's specifically meant for, doesn't budge. Now, I don't know whether he was one of them just out of formality's sake that, you know, Everyone else says, is it I? If he doesn't, it might be obvious, but he didn't budge. Everyone else is searching their hearts, but the one that God's really dealing with, not budging. And no doubt the other disciples had things in their lives, no doubt about it. They were convicted and began to search their hearts and and try to align themselves with Jesus, which is what should happen when we sit under the word of God. It should always bring us to that heart-searching place. Is it I? Now, Judas did not realize that his greed, which would cause him to sell out Jesus, would lead to the crucifixion. Okay, he He, he didn't really have a clue of what he was getting himself into. Because the problem is, the longer you maintain the unresolved issues of the heart, the more deceived you become. And the harder it is to project the consequences. So here he is now. He had already done the deed. He's already made the deal. Uh, He's sitting there now in the presence of Jesus, thinking that this will pass like the rest. He's been up to this all along anyway. But little did he know the depth that he had just stepped into. And when he fully realized the depth of his actions, he went and hung himself because it was so overwhelming. And as I'm going to speak in a moment, because there's a demonic element that entered into the picture. See, our ultimate response to God's specific word is being formed every single day. Every day. Whether it's through the reading of your Bible, whether it's in fellowship and you're talking the word of God, or you have people speaking into your life, or the ultimate way of God speaking through preaching. Every single day, a response to God's specific word is being formed. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 31 and 32, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now, the problem for some of God's people is that there is little to no self judgment going on. It's the problem. So, of course, when somebody else comes and brings the judgment, you you fly off the hook. Or you just label them being over spiritual or you do what the the famous thing is, is you just project things back on them and remind them of how messed up they are. Because there's no self-judgment. And when God does deal with us, it's because he doesn't want you to ultimately be condemned with the world. When he does yank your covers and the light is shined on you. He's doing it because he doesn't want you to be judged and condemned with the world. We always hear the word of God and so often it was for somebody else. Man, I wish they would have been here. Or you're here and your spouse isn't. Man, I wish my spouse would have been here. But what about, is it I? Or we hear our issue loud and clear we just don't respond. Just don't have hearts that God can move. Like a lump on a log. When God deals with us, He does so knowing the end result. Jesus knew the end result of Judas. Now Judas may very well have betrayed him no matter what. But God is also interested in the after effect. He didn't Have to go and hang himself. It doesn't have to be spiritual suicide because you fail, but here's the problem. You get in so deep, and you really don't have control anymore of the circumstance. You're used to prancing in and out from the world to the kingdom and the the, you know, just in and out of the sacred and the secular, and just kind of dancing the dance and playing the but but not realizing all along you're you're folding something in. Judas had no idea it would lead to the crucifixion. And he certainly had no idea he'd end up taking his life over it. But see, that's what you're dealing with. You're not just dealing with what we do. And here's the thing. You don't know the full effect of your response, whether good or bad. When you don't respond, you're leaving the future in a very uncertain Place. Now, you may very well think you have it under control, but we're talking about something that isn't in the control of man. The only thing that's in our control is how we respond to God. and God folds that in according to his word. And the issue is what you're becoming every time you ignore God's dealings and warnings. You're becoming something. Something's happening to your heart. Something's happening in your mind and emotions. Every single time that you push back on God's dealings, something's folded into your spirit. And things got deep real fast. Because Jesus now deals with them head on. No response by Judas. and Of course, Jesus said, go. Do what you're going to do. Do it quickly. Because it's already there. He's going to do it. And I guarantee that wasn't the only dealing Jesus had with him over three years. But this was the culmination point, And it always, always comes to a culmination point. It will never not. Unless somewhere in midstream, God can catch your attention and divert you and get you to repent. You won't hit the culmination point. But if you keep going about business the way you are, playing games, messing around, responding when you feel like it, it's going to culminate. How? Don't know. That's the thing. We don't know how deep we really are. Some of you don't know how deep you really are and how fast things are unraveling. And what happened in this scenario is the lack of response carried with it a demonic element. In John 13, 26 through 28, Jesus answered, it is him whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. Satan entered him means Satan entered him. So something happened in the process of his life and him not responding and his inability to wore off this inevitability. To this day of culmination now wasn't just a response. It wasn't just a selling out, but there was a demonic element and Satan now entered him. Judas had no idea how deep he really was at this point. He didn't even realize now at this point that he was being demonically inspired. He just goes about doing. What he's going to do. He was so used to not responding. Or just responding to the level that he was used to. And he was still with Jesus. He was still part of the twelve. Because God is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God gives us this room. And he gives us all this time. You know, you think about, you know, when people want to go with their judgment acts throughout the church all the time, just judging everything impulsively as they see it. Well, you have deep problems, but you know, think about even. In Thyatira where Jezebel who is teaching and teaching them fornication in essence. And God said, but I gave her time to repent. So God gives us this room and, and he gives us this opportunity and the day of culmination comes. And, and what Judas became open to now was the demonic realm. I don't know when that happens. But it happens. At some point in people's actions, a demonic realm gains access. His end was not even on his radar. He thought he was in control. When all along, he's slowly slipping to this place where he lost all control. And he couldn't turn it back. Hmm. Let me talk about the sermon. Is it I? Because here's the pertinent response. Verses 18 and 19. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say, one of you that eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? Jesus speaks this word and the men around him begin to search their hearts, which is what ought to happen, which would should happen tonight. Should happen every single time the word of God is preached. Is it possible that that person that you refuse to let speak into you because the way you view them could actually be speaking for God? Well, possibly. Is it I? I? Could it be true? And this is the response and action that the Word of God should produce every time it's preached. Now something amazes me. As the years have passed in the ministry as a preacher, and one of the issues I have to say I've dealt with more than any other issue is relational issues. This is amazing because many times when you preach on relational issues, like as in the text. You know, some of the people that this directly applies to. Jesus knew exactly who this applied to. He said it for all their sake, but he was really trying to appeal to Judas. And so it's amazing As this unfolds, because you're fully expecting at the altar to see them to be the very first ones to make their way to the altar. You're fully expecting by the end of the service in the day, by the next day, they'll have gone and made those issues right. But it's amazing how often that's not the case at all. But yet it's also equally amazing to see the people that do respond and search their hearts. People will come that had this minor infraction and they're under conviction and confessing to you. And you're like, bro, sis, you know, I, I accept it. Let's pray. But I think you're 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 hatcheting yourself. But yet the ones that really needed to respond. So here's where the rubber meets the road in our relationship with God. James 1, 23 through 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So we can sit under the word of God. It's convicting us. We feel it. God can to some degree perhaps deal with us while the word of God, but if you don't deal with and respond to what God's dealt with you about, if all you are is a hearer, but you're not a doer, here's the danger of any response other than, is it I? Because you forget who you really are and what you're really capable of and how far you can actually fall if you're not careful we forget that so easily and the greater concern is you don't know the outcome judas did not realize again that his actions would cause jesus to be crucified this was so overwhelming for him to the point he went and hung himself and no doubt that that demonic element that was there pushed that over the edge where he, maybe in his normal right mind, could have responded. See, and that's a thing we don't know. We don't know at what point that we've gone too far, or we stepped over, or, or uh, the demonic element entered in. We're... God gives us every day, every service to respond accordingly. Is it I? If you're not doing that, I can't give you any guarantees whatsoever of where you're going to end up. Of what you're possibly going to do. And decisions you're going to make down the road. That you may say now. Oh never. Like Peter. Oh we would never desire you. Oh you will. If you don't start responding to God. Is it I? Because what we are over time. Will always come to a culmination point. It was Judas unresolved greed. Greed. That opened the door for all this to come down. That's, that's what opened the door for this. He had ample time. He had opportunity. You know, we don't have all the sayings and the interaction of Jesus with the disciples, but I have a hard time believing that Jesus didn't find ways to deal with him and, and say things purposely to, to deal with him. Three years. Unresolved greed. You must understand that unresolved issues of our lives opens the door for failure. What depth of failure? Don't know. That's the scary part. I don't know. All the times that you should have been saying, is it I? Or you knew it was you, but you never totally aligned yourself with God's word. Just kept on going, pushing back, self-will, whatever the issues. Hidden sin, hidden rebellion. Hidden agendas. What we need tonight is we need to allow the word of God to bring repentance, renewal, and lasting change. Because you know what's scary to me? That we could sit in a service like this morning. blazy blah, blah, blah. blah. Real scary prospect. You can sit under that intense understanding of the word of God. With the anointing that God was putting upon it. With the reality of all that's at hand. And not even be hardly bothered. Or even partially frightened or freaked out. You have problems. You have heart problems. If that's you. And it's time to say, is it I and really, truly begin to deal with our issues and resolve the matter of our hearts? Because the the real scary part here. And and here's the thing, and it almost seems unfair, but hey, God did say that I'll have mercy upon whom I have mercy. To one person may have all these opportunities and, and even then they fail and still recover. And to another, very few opportunities And they spin out and never recover. Because we don't know the depth of what we're really getting into when we don't respond to God. We think we're under control. You know, we're reasoning things through. You know, we got good minds on us. We read. We're educated. We're not dummies. We're not yes people that just agree with everything. We think things through. And here's the danger that somehow you know better. And it trumps the word of God. Instead of saying, is it I? You're either criticizing the the sermon or picking it apart or or criticizing that brother or sister that dared to say anything to you or your wife or your husband uh, uh, and so on and so forth. Or you just sit there. You don't say a word, but you just don't respond. Well, the problem with that is you don't know the depth of culmination that's taking place. And I don't either. To know exactly at what point And it isn't the same for everybody, but we don't know. But at what point that demonic realm crosses into the picture, begins to accelerate something way beyond us being able to turn it back. It's a scary thing. When people all of a sudden, within days, just spiral out. And then they go into the deep stuff. You're like, well, I guarantee it's just been a culmination point. All along, it's been there. It may have started as a shallow seed, but it's been there. And, and the dealings of God just could not break through, could not break through. And they kept deflecting and kept projecting on somebody else and, and, and threw their temper tantrums and, and did their, their reasoning of their own smart little minds. And then here they are all spun out. Some recover, some don't. Now, I'm not trying to dispel doom and gloom on you, but I don't know how else to preach this sermon. Sometimes we just need that sobering reality and deal with it at an altar. And don't take the chance that somehow you can beat the rap. Because be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. You're not going to beat that one. God is long suffering towards us. God is merciful and gracious. But you can take so for granted that to a degree that something hardens in your heart and you miss it all and you find yourself one day in a very bad culmination point that's out of your control. And I want to really call upon you tonight. Is it I? Because that is the pertinent response. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Do your best not to move around if it's just simply trivial stuff. We we, we need to respond To God. And I worry about people that never respond to an altar call. There is something so absolutely wrong in your life. Something so out of whack and out of place. But see, we deflect all of that. We don't like those statements. But Jesus made a specific word for a specific person. And you ought to thank God for that if that's ever the case. Because God's trying to help you. And God wants nothing more than to redeem and restore. I mean, he went to Judas afterwards and. Friend, would I not have received you? Jesus wasn't ticked off at Judas. He loved him. But he couldn't undo what Judas had done. Only Judas could do that. That was the thing. Only Judas could do it. Only you can do it tonight. God can love you and love you and love you. But he can't undo your choices. He can't undo your decisions. Don't take advantage and take for granted the grace and the long suffering of God or or the intimacy of God as some green light. Here they are in this amazing setting, but yet he's about to go betray him. Peter's about to deny him. Don't don't deceive yourself. Yet every day we have to search our hearts. Every single day. Because we're capable of anything. If we don't keep our hearts close to the creator. If we don't be real with ourselves. Of what we're capable of. Knowing that our heart is deceitful. And above all things desperately wicked. You have to know that about yourself. If we're going to keep ourselves. Where we need to be in God's covenant of grace you're sitting here tonight and you're not right with god there should be nothing else that you're worried about in life except getting right with god because this is eternal this is forever if you pass from this life without jesus you will be eternally damned your soul will live on forever in a place called hell Where the Bible says there's wailing and gnashing of teeth and torment day and night forever and ever and ever. And after a thousand years, your time will only have just begun. But You can be delivered of that. You can be freed from your sin and bondage in life through Jesus Christ. And you're ready for that tonight. You're ready to ask God to forgive you when I want to ask you to do something. I want you just to slip your hand up. If you would like me to pray with you and ask Christ in your life. You're ready to get right with God. Come to Jesus. Would you lift your hand up all across this place? God's dealing with you right now. Tonight's your night. This is your time. God is waiting on you. What will you do? What kind of response? Because you're not going to be able to control the outcome if you don't respond to God. And that's the scary thing. No man is promised tomorrow. We don't know what a day will bring forth. Life can change so ever suddenly. You have to respect that. You ready to get right with God? Come to Jesus. Lift your hand. Who's that? Thank you so much. Who else? You ready to get right with God tonight? Sitting in church. You sit in church often, but your heart's not right. You've got bitterness. You've got unresolved anger. You've got greed problems, perhaps. Immoral problems that are unresolved. You're not fighting against. You're just indulging. Whatever they are, your heart's not right. Young people that you're living the double life. You're everything that was mentioned this morning. You're the one that hides the app behind the app. If your parents take away your phone, you in deception go and find another way to get a phone. And because your heart's not right with God. And if you were to slip into eternity tonight, you would slip into hell, eternal damnation forever and ever and ever. And you're ready to get right tonight. God is calling you to himself. Would you put your hand up? Who else with this honest heart? I'm not right. I'm ready to get right tonight. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. That is a spiritual capacity to hear what God is saying. To feel the compelling element of God at work. Don't take that for granted. When God is moving you, you may feel singled out and God is all over you. Don't think that somehow you're going to respond when you're ready because you can't do that. That's not the way it works. You respond when God is ready. And I declare tonight, God is ready. Will you come to Jesus? Thank you so much. Who else? Who else? You respond when God is ready. God is dealing with you now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You're not living right but you're sitting in church and God is dealing with you. You will not beat the rap. You will not overcome the reaping and the sowing. You will not. It will hit a culmination point and I cannot guarantee at that point where it's going to end up. You're ready to get right tonight. You're to respond. I'm waiting because God's dealing with some people. It's a heavy, heavy dealing of God right here. You're ready to get right tonight. Go on record. I'm Not right. I'm backslidden in my heart. I'm living in hidden sin. I've got the double life going on. I've got bitterness. I've got hatred, unresolved. I'm ready to get right. Lift your hand up. Who's, who's that? God's dealing with you right now. Thank you. Because this is heaven or hell stuff. What I'm talking about is heaven or hell stuff. Right now, this moment, the things coming out of my mouth are heaven or hell stuff. Who else? God's dealing with you. Thank you. Thank you. God's going to help you, man. Who else? Thank you. Who else? God's dealing with you right now. Your response is everything. Everything. Judas went on for three years like this. Some of you have gone on longer than that. It is scary. It will come to a culmination. It will. And when it hits the fan, it is totally out of your control. Let's get it right tonight. Uh, Let's begin to respond. Is it I? Yes, Lord. Some of you know it's you. Will you respond? Who else? I'm not going to hold it much longer. We're going to move on. Anybody else? You're lifting your hand. Okay, listen. All those that lifted their hand, I need you to come out of your seat. I need you to make a play at this altar. Come quickly. Because I, I don't remember all of them they were. You're coming out of your seat. I need I need you to minister to these. Take time with them. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Okay, Listen. Some heavy dealing of God going on here tonight. I'll tell you, I searched my heart all the way through the preparation of this sermon. Still am tonight. That's a scary prospect that's setting before us. And we've become professional Christians. We're such reasoning in our minds that we, we trump everything that God tries to deal with us about. That's a scary place to live your life. The response is pertinent is, is it I? Some of you, you don't even have to ask that question. You know, without a doubt, it's you. And you only do your own soul and your own conscience harm by pushing back on that and not Responding. And slowly, something's being folded into your spirit. You are becoming something over time that you have no control over. If you don't get some of your issues right, they may not be heaven or hell right this second, but they will become. And the problem is that if you're not responding now, once they become that, you won't even realize how far gone you are. So tonight is the time to respond accordingly. Align our hearts. Deal with our issues. And let God have right of way. We're going to open these altars. We're coming. So we stand to our feet. And we're making a place before God. Is it I?